Hey everyone, I'm Caleb. And I'm Joey. And welcome back to this podcast that is put on by the Roanoke Church of Christ. Joey and I are both the ministers here, and we're grateful uh, that you have decided to take some time to be with us uh, for this particular episode. This is going to be Sermon Rewind, and I don't know how many of these we have done, but what we try to do with this particular uh, avenue of this podcast is we sit down uh, after the fact of a particular Sunday and we recap or rewind through some of the points that uh, both of us made from our our sermons on Sunday, and we elaborate a little bit more on those than perhaps we would be able to uh, in an actual uh, worship setting. Uh, I know we haven't done this in a while, but we're excited to do this and to sit down with you and to look at uh, these sermons that we preached on this past Sunday. And once again, this is Sermon Rewind. Okay, Joey, uh, let's go ahead and start with mine because I preached in the morning and then we'll transition to yours. Sounds good. So uh, I'm just going to kind of recap from my perspective uh, the sermon that you preached, and uh, then maybe we can dig into some of yeah. the, the points. Sure. Uh, you Your sermon was uh, entitled, if I have this correctly, The, the Difference a Dedicated Dad Can Make. Yep. And I, I appreciate what you said about... Not using the term dad <laughs> often, but it's kind of hard to right. uh, come up with a catchy title right. if you don't use uh, all D's there. Right. So I, we get the point you're trying to make. I think right out of the gate, you set the the stage and made uh, an important point about the importance of family and the role that fathers and mothers play. And I think the way you worded it was that fathers and mothers are pillars in our country. And that's, you know, that, that was a powerful way to capture a sentiment that has been expressed throughout, you know, throughout centuries about the importance of the home. I mean, people have said it in different ways, but the general sentiment has been as goes the home, so goes the nation. Right. And if we have, if we don't have healthy families in uh, our country, then that's going to impact the health of our nation. And that's especially true as well in the church, right? If our if our homes aren't healthy, then the church is going to, to struggle with that. And right. I just wonder if there's anything else you wanted to add after having yeah. preached it and thought about it like we all yeah. do. So, it's, no, you're exactly right. And I think, you, you know, you see the 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 state in which our nation finds itself and that's evident to the problems that our homes are finding themselves in um and so certainly you know you can learn from that and uh use that as a lesson um for the way that we want the church to look i mean we don't want the church to end up like you know our nation in any way um and so you know we can see the vital importance of making sure that our homes are what they need to be that fathers are the leaders uh, and the mothers are making the home and, and you know, and together they're working to to help rear children um, that are learning about God and learning about his word for them. And they're doing all that they can to influence them for good because they're going to, if you don't do that as, as a parent, then they're going to be influenced in some way or another. Um, it's just going to be by, you know, you, you don't get a, you don't get a choice in that matter if you're not right. the one influencing them. Um, and so I just, it's just so vitally important um, and it's just important for for fathers, uh, specifically, uh, you know, it was Father's Day 
So just making the point uh, of fathers needing to be involved um, and influential in in their children's lives. Yeah, I, I yeah I agree wholeheartedly, and I think you nailed that <clears throat> that down in your introduction. Then as your sermon developed, you had four points: um, the way that dedicated dads can make a difference. Uh, first one was pray for them. Then secondly, spend time with them, then give them a sense of identity. And then the fourth one, never, never let them forget about heaven. Right. And uh, just kind of thinking about that, I thought the pray for them point was spot on because we, you know, we panic sometimes in situations and especially when we're concerned about the well-being of our children, we right. panic and try to control the mechanics of situations right. and just forget, you know, what What about praying right. uh, for them? And you gave a number of examples from the Bible of people who prayed, you know, to God on behalf of, of their children. And uh, I just wonder, you know, is any. You know, that hindsight where you think, right. oh, I should have said that. Was there anything else? There? Yeah, I just, you know, I, I, it's it's just so important because, you know, our children, they're going to see things. They're going to experience things that, you know, we wish with everything that we have to protect them from. But there's no way, you know, to, to do that 100%. Um, and, you know, eventually, you know, as you and I, you know, as we live our lives, we you know, come into contact with things, you know, obviously not for through any fault of our own, but we see things or experience things in the world that we wish we didn't have to. And our children are going to do the same right. thing, right? And you can't control all of those things. You can certainly set up boundaries and do all that you can uh, to help caution that. But um, they are going to go through things like that. They're going to go through the difficult times just as you have, you and I have. And, and as listeners, you know, you, you've, you've experienced things that maybe you wish you never would have had to. Uh, but as you go through those things, you know, it's important to remember to pray, pray for your children, to, um, to take them before the throne of God on their behalf and pray, you know, in a, on a plethora of, of ideas and levels, um, you know, pray for them before they even go through those things and then pray for them while they're going through them. And then after the fact, and there's just so many areas and levels on which to take them before God. But I think it's a reflection too of our own prayer life, right? You can't, pr you can't yeah. pray for them if you don't pray to begin with. Um, so make sure that you yourself have a healthy prayer life. But then as you do that, um, and I just, I, I, I'm reminded of Job and that was one of the points I made. This was, this was his custom regularly, right? right? To take his children before God and to try to consecrate them um, and make sacrifices for them. So we need to be just like Job in that it's, it's, a, it's a daily practice for us. Well, you actually gave, I think, four examples of people who prayed for their children right. and two of them prayed responsively. You know, their, their prayers were in response right. to a developed that needed God's help. Right. But two of them were people who prayed preemptively. Right. You know, they were trying to head off things. Right. And uh, you mentioned Job. Job was one, you know, that prayed and expressed concern about his children if perhaps they had done something right. or, you know, got entangled right. in, in sin. I think so there's, there's also a point there too, though, that even if you do pray for them, that's not to say that they're not going to go right. through things too. You right. know, prayer is not the, the, the 100% safeguard to keeping them out of the world and, you know, experiencing things. They're going to, but it's, it's always better. It's certainly better to pray before it happens than to pray during it. Yeah. That's probably a whole nother sermon in and of itself right. to talk about 
being naive as a parent right. and thinking that you know, there's a fine line between protecting and preparing children, yeah. right? Yeah. And you and we struggle as parents to try to find that balance. But right. so often parents wait too late, you know, to be concerned about about things. Yeah. And uh, yep. you know, with prayer, you know, you can help help that. Right. Uh, regardless. So then <clears throat> you said spend time with them. And I immediately, you mentioned the verse in the sermon, but uh, whether contextually right or wrong, I always think about Ephesians 6, 4 in this regard, yeah. where Paul said that fathers are to bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right. And that, you know, that phrase just always stuck with me. You have to be with somebody to bring them. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so there's t there's an investment of time. Right. But you took it a step further and you talked about being intentional, being calculated, being thoughtful, and, you know, not shoving that responsibility off on somebody else, right. the church in particular. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, that's a big problem that I've seen in my time in youth, youth ministry. Um, it's a problem that we faced everywhere we went. Cause I think you know, I could tell that you, you, you were a little passionate when you went that Yeah. It's like youth ministry is like a double-edged sword. Like there's so much good that it can do, but it, it provides just an escape for, for parents, you know, to just not try to parent and right. to not try to teach their children. Um, and they just put it off on, on you. And then, you know, so many times, and I, I know you've seen this, you know, when you have a child that grows up and goes away from the Lord's church, they're like, well, what happened? You right. know, it's the, it's the church's fault. It's the preacher's fault or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, as parents, you have to fundamentally, fundamentally remember the responsibility was first given to you as, as their parent before um, it falls on anybody else. And, you know, certainly there is a responsibility of the church to, to, to help teach them. Um, but it's the first responsibility is upon the parent and uh, they need to do all they can. That's, you know, went to Deuteronomy chapter six and chapter four and talked about the importance of teaching our children um, the, the way of the Lord and making sure we do that on a daily basis um, and not something that we just do, you know, whenever we have time for. And that was kind of the, how I ended it. You know, the idea of it, it takes a lot of time and effort. It is an investment. You yeah. are investing in your children, uh, but it's something, something obviously that's certainly worthwhile. Um, and obviously because of, you know, how, how wonderful children are, um, and you can leave them, you know, you can leave them all the amounts of money you want in the world, but if you don't put them, if you don't point them towards heaven, it's not, it, it doesn't do them any good. Right. And you know, that was your fourth point. I'm not skipping, but just since yeah. you said that about heaven, I'm just going to bring that fourth point up. You said, never let them forget about heaven. You know, that, that's a, that's just a wonderful point of observation that we need to always keep the goal before our children, right? you know, and everything that we do in life, every interpretation we apply to circumstances and events that happen in our lives should be done in view of the ultimate goal, heaven, right? right? right. And if you do that, then the way that you frame things, the way that you respond to adversity in life will be impacted because you're looking at it from that that perspective. Right. Uh, anything else on that? The fourth point. We'll go back to the third one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. I think. I think. You know. When you when you keep having in your mind, it affects everything you do. The choices yeah. you make, the things you say, what you wear, wh where you go, um, how you act in those situations. And so when you 
as a parent, as and as, you know, as a father, when you do that yourself, your children see that, right? Your children are watching and listening and seeing everything that you do. And so when you're doing that and then you're telling them, hey, you need to do this as well, it's so yeah. much easier for them to understand why and to do it uh, than if you just live your life however you want to live it. And then yeah. you teach your children to do something else. You know, they, they understand the hypocrisy in, within that. So, Yeah. So one of the great things I like about working alongside another preacher is the opportunity that it gives me for f- fresh perspective. Yeah, you know, you, sure. And I'm sure you, we preach so much and we study so much that, that we know kind of when you hear the title of a sermon, you kind of know where it's going to go, right, right? right? You have a pretty good idea. Right. But sometimes there's a point made that you know, it's kind of an aha moment right. or just a, maybe an ah moment, right. you know, and I, that was my sense with your third point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference dedicated dads can make is connected to giving your kids a sense of identity. And that I just, you know, that's just powerful because they need that. You know, you hear people say, and I don't, I don't agree with this sentiment the way it's often said. I want kids to ha- develop their own and have their own faith. That, right. You don't just, you know, take kids and say, "There's the world. Figure out right. faith on your own." Right. You know, you model for them what you've proven to be right in your own life, but you help develop that in them. But this sense of identity and giving and developing a sense of identity, that I don't know that we talk a lot about that. Yeah. So maybe just as you look back at that, what what else could you say about that? Yeah, I, I think it's important because, you know, young people, and this is something I that I have seen and in, in experienced with working with them, they they they're constantly searching to try to find out, you know, who they are, like what makes them up. And I don't mean it, you know, from the way that our world often says, you know, the idea of trying to figure figure themselves out and, you know, gender and all those. That's not that's not what I'm talking, I'm talking about themselves as an individual trying to figure out their purpose, why they are here, what they need to be doing. Um and so as a as as a parent, you know, especially as a father, you can help them in that process by pointing them to people and, you know, in their lives. Um, and then, but specifically within scripture, showing them here's individuals that, you know, have gone through difficult things who have persevered and endured and who came out on the other side, you know, this is an identity that you can identify with. Right. right? And you mentioned Hebrews chapter 11. Right. I mean, you could see a, a young person can just go through that chapter and see the different individuals that are mentioned, the adversity that they overcome. And a a lot of those examples will correlate to life experiences, even for young people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and this is kind of the point I was making at the end of this, that, you know, you look up what you're interested in, right? You're going to look for people in that realm Mm -hmm. and you're going to think, all right, how do I want to be like them or not? Are they doing it successfully? Are they doing it well? Kind of thing. And I, and I mentioned, I grew up and I still love the game of basketball, but I looked at, you know, these NBA players as though these heroes, these role models, because they were so cool and so good at the sport, you know, et cetera. But oftentimes when you look at people in the world, they have this life of sin that's attached to them. Um, And, you know, as, as a child growing up, you don't really 
I guess, consider that. But as you get older, you see that. Um, And so that's why it's important to make sure that you have the right kind of people that you're looking up to in this life. Specifically, you know, you look through Hebrews chapter 11, but then I've made the point at the very end that as fathers, you know, live the the kind of life to where if to where, you know, you can present yourself as someone that they can look up to and pattern right. their life after. And that's kind of the point that Paul is making in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, if you follow after that individual, are they going to lead you to Christ? And right. if they are, live that life. Yes. So. Yeah. So just uh, just a great sermon fitting for the occasion. You know, I mean, if you do a Father's Day sermon on Father's Day, it, <laughs> It's kind of hard to be fresh, right. you know, have a fresh perspective, <laughs> yeah. but I, I thought yeah. you did a great job with well, that. I appreciate that. Your your sermon in the evening was one that I think is extremely, extremely important, uh, extremely vital, because it is a problem that so many Lord's, so, so many congregations of the Lord's Church face and deal with, but a lot of them don't even realize that they're that they're going through those things and having right. to deal with that. So, um, the the uh, the title I believe was it was contentment, right? The virtue that kills the church. Yes. Um, and so, talk a little bit, I guess, about just the idea of contentment, kind of just at the beginning and um, kind of kind of where your mind was headed with this. Yeah. So, and I, I just started out by talking about things that are essential for survival, but if the quantity of it is not right, right. it can be dangerous. Right, and I right. use examples like water and salt, you know, and oxygen, all and medication, all things we need. Right. But if it's not in the right quantity, it can be detrimental yeah. to you. And so I, my, the point I made was even virtues, you know, qualities that are more spiritual and personal, behavioral, maybe the same thing applies. And sure. I talked about, I gave ambition as an example. Ambition is great. We need ambition. But some people are overly ambitious to their own detriment right. and to the detriment of people, you know, maybe that they're leading. I talked about Rehoboam from First Kings 12 mm-hmm. along those lines. And then I turned it to us as Christians right. and as the church. And I talked about virtue, the virtue that can be detrimental to the church, that killed the church, the virtue that killed the church is contentment. You know, being satisfied with where we are when we really shouldn't be satisfied. Right. Right. And then looked at some areas where that that applied. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and you know, one of the things that Brother Garland Elkins always told us in class, I'm sure he told y'all too, the, the biggest room in his life was the room for improvement. Right? Uh, yeah. And yeah. you look at somebody like that and you think, you know, how, right? Someone, yes. this, this spiritual giant, um, someone who, who knew so much and had, had done so much. Um, so when you look at somebody like that, who says they can always improve, you think, you right. think about yourself and right. wow, you know, there's, there's so much more. So I think having that attitude is, is so vital and so important because when you flip that, you have this idea of contentment of being fine and happy where you are. Um, and then in all reality, you're really not even staying where you are. It's more, you're going backwards, right. um, then you are more just staying right where you are. And right. so I think that's, that's important to, important to consider. So you, you looked at, you had four points. Um, the first one being, um, the idea of being, uh, content with our own deficiencies. Uh, mm-hmm. the second one was with the sin of the world, 
The third one was sin within the body of Christ. And then the fourth one was the spiritual strength uh, of the body of Christ as well. So talk a little bit about these, um, I guess, and kind of just maybe recap where you were going with each of these, okay. each of these points. Well, you know, you made some great points just in the last few things you said there about that apply to the first point, being content with one's own deficiencies. Uh, you know, we, we should never be at the point, well, I'm as good as I can be right. in this particular area because there's, there's always room for improvement. If it's just a more awareness or a more perspective about the deficiency, right. right? You know, you know, I know that I'm deficient in this area, so I'm going to be more mindful of that. But there are things like knowledge, right? Uh, you know, we, anyone who says I am not deficient in my knowledge <laughs> of God's will for my life has just proven the point. Right. 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 Even a preacher, yep. you know, if, you know, if I, if I said that, or you said that I don't need to study, right. you know, just imagine right. that. And that's a deficiency, just the awareness sure, or the lack of awareness there. You know, movement in our lives. I talked about the fact that we're we'll ne- we're not going to achieve perfection, but Scripture tells us to strive for perfection, right? And tells us to grow. You know, and you know things like pride will keep us from moving forward. Uh, a lack of love and compassion. You know, those those are some of the things that I mentioned that will keep us uh, from moving forward toward perfection. And then I ended that point talking about transformation, um, and in particular, transforming from self to selfless. Mm. That yeah. That's a growth process that may be the hardest right. of all, to be less of self, you know, and more selfless and do more because of my love for Christ, because of my love for the church, and because my love for success of people who are trying to do right and who are searching. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, that's a great point. Especially, you know, I, I've heard it said before, um, if you're so full of self, you don't leave room for, for Jesus or for his church right. or for the word. Um, and it's so true because when you become so consumed with yourself and trying to, you know, to only do things for you, then you have no way of helping the people around you. You have no way of, of, of growing, right. And of taking in the word of God and moving and pushing yourself to where you need to be. So I think that's, that's extremely important. Yeah. The second point was a contentment uh, with the sinfulness of the world, you know, and I just reminded us of our responsibility to, to preach the gospel and to teach people. And I emphasize the point that even though the Bible says the majority will be lost, It doesn't say everybody, right? Right, And there are people out there. And I don't remember where I first heard this idea. I don't don't even remember if these are the exact words of the quote, but I've I've made this statement several times in sermons or asked the question, are we going to be content to be keepers of the aquarium or are we going to be fishers of men? Right, Right, right. And our tendency is to just keep the aquarium. Right. And we need to have the attitude that Jude admonished in Jude 22 and 23. On some have compassion, making a difference, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted 
uh, by the flesh. And so that's kind of what the point I was trying to make there. Yeah. So that's a, I didn't get many notes down because I was wrangling my 18, <laughs> my 18 month old, yeah. but I did write that down though. Don't be a keeper of the aquarium, but be a fisherman. And that's just, I've never thought about it that way, but oftentimes you find yourself looking out at the world, right? Right. And saying, oh, there they are. Um, you, and that's it, right? Well, even now thinking about it, you know, if you add stuff to the aquarium, right, you you might introduce, you know, dirt and stuff to it, right? Sure. And so maybe we look at it and we say, ah, it's perfect. You know, just like it is, right. we don't want to bring in anything that's we're going. It's going to require more work of trying to keep the church pure. Yeah, you know, I I'm just glad the people that taught me the gospel weren't content to be aquarium keepers. Yeah, you know absolutely. that they were fishers of men. Absolutely, yeah, and you, yeah, that's a great point. You reflect on your own life. Where would you be if somebody hadn't taught you the gospel, right? You know, yeah. especially you know. From our, you know, you know, I have different perspectives. I grew up in the Lord's Church, but you didn't, or well, you did, but you, you know, you were taught later, um, right. and someone who had a, a great influence on you. And so, you know, I think that makes you appreciate it even more, yes. um, because if somebody took the time and effort to do that for you, perhaps, so. yeah. So another point: <clears throat> contentment with sin in the body of Christ. You know, we're fooling ourselves if we think that Christians don't need to be mindful of their right. They're seeing, yeah. you know, and it's a dangerous place when I or anybody for that matter gets to the point where they don't even see their own sin and they're not willing to do what's necessary. Uh, you know, once in the church, once you're in the church, doesn't make you sinless. Right. You know? And I just gave a number of examples. I talked about Simon the sorcerer. Mm-hmm. In the church, right? But needed rebuke and correction. Ananias and Sapphira, right? Obviously, Peter, uh, when confronted by Paul about his behavior around the Gentiles, Hymenaeus and Alexander. Uh, you know, they're just examples of people who had sinned, and their situation was pointed out, and corrective action was taken, right? In those situations. Uh, you know, one, to correct them and get them back on the right track, but two, to, in that sense, to keep the church, you know, pure and to to make sure that things that would defile uh, are removed. We talked about the scriptures associated with that. And I just wanted to emphasize the point, if something is broke, we need to fix it. Right. You know, and we need to strive perf- for perfection in the body of Christ. Our Bible class lesson kind of crossed paths with that because in Bible class, we had looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 with the situation of fornication at Corinth and how Paul had told them they were puffed up and had not rather mourned over the situation. They weren't doing what they needed to do to correct that. Fortunately, for our understanding in 2 Corinthians, that comes back around and it looks like Corinth did do what they should they but they were evidently content not doing anything to fix that and right. that's that is toxic in the church because it hurts the church on so many levels and so we can't be content with sin in the body of Christ either yeah no you're exactly right and i think that a couple of things i think number 1 <clears throat> it it completely disrupts the idea of calvinistic thinking right in that 
you know, you're once saved, always saved. So if, right. if just like you mentioned, just because you're in the body of Christ doesn't mean you're immune to, to, to sinning and doing things you shouldn't do. But then number two, and I think this goes back um, a few weeks to when you talked about the idea of disciplining in love, right? The idea of we have to be willing to take action and do the, do right. something on both parties, right? If someone is in sin, we have responsibility to, to go to them. But then for the one who is in sin has responsibility to change their, their actions in their lives. So I right. think that's a couple of things to point out. So Yeah. Great, great thoughts on that. And then the last point, contentment with the spiritual strength of the congregation. <clears throat> that That's a recipe for failure. Right. If you're in a congregation that has no elders, You'll never have elders if you're content with the spiritual strength of the congregation. Right. If you have an eldership and you're content with that being like that and not doing anything to develop um, replacements or additions, then, you know, that's, that's a bad situation too. But even on the individual Christian level, whatever we're doing ought to be a move to further the spiritual strength and vitality of the members of the congregation. Right. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I know of a couple of congregations um, actually who, and I, you know, I don't know all the details and ins and outs of it, but I know that they don't have elders um, and they haven't had elders for a long time. And I'm not saying that, you know, maybe they don't, I know one congregation does have men who are qualified. Um, but I think a lot of times many congregations are fine with where they're at um, and that they don't want to have elders because, you know, some people will lose their authority or whatever they have. And I think a lot of that just kind of goes back to the idea of, you know, there's a specific reason why God designed and created the church um, to be the way that it, that it should be. Um, and for a plethora of reasons. And when you don't do that, or you're not striving for that, um, you then you begin to see a lot of issues and problems um, that you wouldn't otherwise have and see. But then, you know, like you mentioned, even with your within, you know, your own lives and amongst your, your brothers and sisters, it's important to, to look at to look at your strengths um, and to try to capitalize on them, but then to, to continue looking at your weaknesses too, right? And yeah. to try to improve those so that you can become the best that you can be. Um, and that, that's 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 the life of a Christian, right? right. Always striving to better and to improve um, and to, to make your life what it needs to be. Yep. Yeah, great, great points and observations. Of course, all of the scriptures that tell us to grow, you know, right. 1 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 3. Yep. Grow, 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 desire uh, that growth. And yep. so it just kind of ended with contentment's uh, essential. And uh, it's essential for our contentment is absolutely essential in our life. Paul, you know, Paul said, I've learned whatever state I'm in there with to be content. Right. And we often, you know, we often joke, you know, that's. The state of Texas, right? <laughs> but, but the reality is that's not what he, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you know whatever life throws at me, whatever battles I must fight because I'm a Christian, right? You know I'm content with that, right? But that that's a delicate balance, contentment, yep. right? Uh, godliness with contentment. Yeah. It's great gain. And so we need to be living lives uh, that glorify and honor God and don't be content at, with any state of progress in our lives individually and in our lives as the church right. that is not representative of growth and 
further development to to God's glory. Yep. No, you're you're exactly right. That was a, a good Sunday. Uh, good sermons yeah. um, from at least from our perspective. Hopefully, you thought they were they were good sermons uh, as well. I appreciate you, Jerry, taking some time to. Uh, to sit down and talk about these. Um, if you are listening and perhaps maybe you have never been to Roanoke, but you just perhaps stumbled upon our podcast and you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you come and visit us. Um, all of the information, uh, address, times of worship, and all that stuff is in our show notes below. Uh, feel free to reach out to us or just come by and visit. We would love to t- talk to you to, to discuss uh, things of the Bible, and hopefully uh, we can get to know you. Uh, certainly appreciative of you being with us. Looking forward forward to being with you on the next episode. Thanks so much. God bless.